Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Ward, for today's episode. In today's episode, I sat down with Dispatch Health's co-founder, Kevin Riddleberger. Kevin shares his story of becoming a physician assistant uh, at a younger age in life and how he eventually wanted to do more and started Dispatch Health in 2013, which recently expanded to its, I believe, 17th state and is now in 33 locations. And they continue to grow with one to two markets opening each month. And at the end of the episode, for our California listeners, you'll hear a little bit of a hint of maybe some things to come in the West Coast uh, as they further expand in the future. We hope you enjoyed today's episode where Kevin talks about how they're bringing the ER to the home, but not just the ER to the home, but also maybe skilled nursing to the home or instead of a skilled nursing facility stay. So again, we hope you enjoyed today's episodes. Feel free to check us out on other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us on popofpodcast.com, our YouTube channel, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. So we like to start off the show, Kevin, by getting to know the guests. And for audience, uh, for you out there, I actually joked with Kevin. I, growing up, got called Kevin quite a bit because Gavin's weren't a common name like they are today. Uh, so Kevin, uh, what's something about you that might surprise the audience? Maybe something outside of the healthcare world. Oh, something surprising. Um, you know, life outside of the, the healthcare world is, is busy with, with uh, family. So, um, you know, really enjoy with uh, going up to the, to the mountains, uh, living in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So go up to the mountains and have a lot of fun with the family, um, ski in the wintertime and, and, you know, do some outdoor activities in the summertime. So that's where you'll, you know, find me, um, you know, outside of, of uh, Dispatch Health. Okay, cool. So you're in Boulder, Colorado. I've heard Boulder, uh, well, Colorado as a whole has definitely uh, grown quite a bit over the last few years. Has Boulder been one of those cities in Colorado that's just blossomed? Is traffic getting worse? Yeah, you know, Boulder's not, um, um, still has some uh, room for growth uh, when you compare it to uh, the Denver area, but, you know, with University of Colorado area, a lot of tech, you know, companies are, are moving into town. Uh, Google now has you know probably 150,000 square feet you know of office space you know in, in downtown Boulder. Um, it's a it's a small little tech you know community, okay. um, and uh, you know it's a startup you know world as as well. Um, you know my my wife grew up um, born and raised in, in Boulder, uh, and so we we spent a lot of time in the area and, and enjoy you know, what uh, Boulder has to offer. Awesome. Well, lucky her. She gets to uh, live her adult life in her hometown. Uh, I don't believe Boulder, Colorado uh, is your hometown. Tell us kind of where you grew up and, and that story. Yeah, I grew up in upstate New York, um, uh, about an hour south of, of Syracuse, in the Ithaca, Binghamton area, if, if you know the, the Finger Lake, you know, district. Um, so went to school in, in uh, undergrad in, in northern New York, just we all, you know, Canada. And, you know, after that really started to make my way out west. Um, 
uh, attended grad school uh, in the Chicago area where um, I got my uh, PA training. Uh, it's where I met my wife, who uh, is also a PA, um, and she wanted to live nowhere else besides uh, Boulder. So we came back to, to Boulder, and, and that's where I started my uh, professional career as, as a PA um, in, in Boulder. But, um, you know, love, love upstate New York, um, you know, still have uh, a lot of, you know, family back, back in the area, uh, but also, you know, love being in Colorado now. Awesome. I noticed the folks that I've met from New York, if you're not from like New York City, usually an accent doesn't exist. I noticed you mentioned you're from upstate New York and there's not really that, you know, uh, tough New Yorker uh, accent there. Yeah, there, there, there is a, there is an accent uh, in in upstate New York. And and so I can, um, you know, it's not, it's not the, uh, you know, Long Island, you know, New York City accent, but, but there's a distinct, you know, accent for, for upstate New York. Folks, um, I, I uh, you know that I can pick out if if uh, you know someone that I'm talking to, like I can you know usually pick up on. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for the education. I'll have to learn uh, how to pick up on that. So uh, you mentioned you came out west. Your wife is uh, from Boulder, Colorado. So you're going. You go to school. You're a PA. Um, you start doing physician assistant work. At what point did you want to do more, or thought about maybe being an entrepreneur? Yeah, it was it was uh, in the middle of my career where, um, and this was in the um, you know two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, so a while ago, where EMRs at, at the time were just starting to, and you know I was on uh, the hospitals I was on staff at were deploying the Epic systems and the Kesson system, you know system, so I was on the deployment committees around that. Um, also gotten um, you know, involved in process improvement, quality improvements at the hospitals I was on staff at, and really started to learn um, and was very intrigued on, on all the pieces um, and how they work together. Meaning, how does a consumer you know, access healthcare? How, does, how do we get paid for the super delivering to our patients? And then from a clinician, you know, um, how do we make you know our jobs you know easier? How do we how do we um, um, you know drive the best clinical outcomes for our patients? Um, how do we deliver those results you know to our our payer partners you know as well? And um, you know that I really was intrigued on what else could I do you know outside treating patients every day. Uh, and went back to business school um, at that time to really learn the intricacies of uh, business um, and and how it really applied, you know, to to healthcare specifically. Okay, cool. So when did Dispatch Health, you know, come together, and how? Yeah, it was um, I had left clinical practice doing a startup uh, called iTrias back in the day, and this. 2011, 2012, uh, where that company was a consumer-facing mobile app company that was directing people to the appropriate level of care based on their symptoms. So, you know, you had, you know, uh, downloaded the iTriage app, you know, entered a cough into your symptoms, you would be presented with follow-up questions to direct you to, do I need to go to the ER? Do I need to go to the urgent care? 
um, should I schedule an appointment with my primary care physician? That's really, um, uh, that got me to start around the technology involvement to uh, guide uh, consumer behavior and, and direction. Um, uh, my other co-founder, Mark Prather, who is uh, an ER doc, had joined iTrias as well. We got talking about what if we deliver a step to this, where we guide patients on their clinical symptoms, could we actually deploy a medical team to be able to take care of those patients in their home versus them having to seek out that care, whether it be in a facility uh, or into their primary care physician? And uh, in 2013, we had an opportunity to partner with an EMS uh, agency that was looking at community paramedicine. Yeah. How can we take the 17% of patients that dial 911 that really don't need to be transported to the emergency department? And so we take a, a different spin at this by putting a ER-trained nurse practitioner or PA in those ambulances to be deployed out to take care of them in the home versus them actually being sent you know, to the emergency department. So we studied that model for about 18 um, really under the radar, uh, bootstrapping the the whole operation to say, are we making an impact, you know, on on the patient? Our patients uh, wanting to repair in, inside the home. Um, what clinical outcomes or what clinical capabilities could we bring into the home safely? And lastly, are we actually driving costs down? Um, uh, in, in the system, or are we just adding to and, and what we found is that, you know, patients loved you know, receiving the care. In, in, um, we were able to, to really package up um, a, a really a mini um, ER into these vehicles to be able to take care of these patients, you know, safely inside the home. And then outcomes, you know, we were able to drive, you know, down um, the return to the ER a considerable amount, meaning we were making sure that we were connecting those patients back into the continuity be a home health agency, whether it be their primary care physician, a care management you know, group, um, to make sure that they were uh, getting back on um, the right path uh, to recovery. And so that's really the foundation where everything was built off of, expanded uh, in 2015, in the Denver market. So when 2013, when you're putting together your ideas, you mentioned bootstrapping. So at the time, were you not receiving any fees for your service or for those first 18 months? Or how did you guys, you know, sustain yourselves, I guess? Yeah, we were, um, we're not um, uh, for a period of time. Uh, once we were able to start collecting data, uh, based on the outcomes that we were able to achieve, we were able to go back to um, the payer community um, and determine this data uh, based on clinical outcomes, based on cost savings, and say, hey, I think I think we have an opportunity to drive further um, savings for you all if we're able to get paid. And so we started to develop um, a, a contracts uh, with Medicare Advantage plans, commercial plans, um, here in, in Colorado, um, became Medicare providers, Medicaid providers, uh, and uncovered codes that were available for us to get paid by Medicare Medicaid as well for care delivery in the home. Okay, nice. So today, are you, you mentioned, you know, originally it was the Medicare Advantage plans, uh, the commercial plans. 
And then also you mentioned the codes for Medicare and Medicaid. So today, can folks, whether they're part of a Medicare Advantage plan, a commercial plan, a Medicaid member or a Medicare member potentially use your services if they're in the geography you serve? That's right. So we contract for all business, you know, from managed Medicaid uh, to commercial to Medicare uh, Advantage plans. And on the commercial employer sponsored, you know, plans that are out there. Um, and we work with, you know, 300 plus, you know, over, over the country, across the country, national arrangements, you know, with United Healthcare, Humana, and, and many others for all lines of business for, for the care that we're delivering, you know, inside the home. And I okay. think the, the last statistic that I saw was um, just under 2 million lives, you know, across the country are contracted, you know, for disservices. Okay, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about two things. Uh, well, I mentioned geography a moment ago. Can you share with the audience um, where are you guys today and where are you guys tomorrow? Yeah, currently we're operating in uh, 34 different markets or MSAs across the country. And so one market would be, um, you know, where, where you live in, in the Phoenix, you know, area. So we'll will cover from uh, to the East Valley. And so, so that's one market for us. Um, so there's there's 34 uh, across the country. We're in now uh, 18 states. Um, we'll do about uh, 350,000 visits this year uh, across the country, uh, delivering you know, ER level uh, care inside the Okay, so you mentioned ER level of care. Um, what about your services might be different than an ER? Is it pretty much anything an ER can do or are there limitations? Yeah, there is, there is limitations as to, you know, what um, we're able to bring into the home. And, and you know, we don't uh, ever want to say that we're going to completely substitute uh, an ER. Um, uh, but look at the data. Yeah, you know, about 60% of what's in the ER today could be treated in a lower cost setting. Okay. And so every patient that comes into to dispatch health, we want to risk stratify to be able to determine, are we clinically appropriate to send out a medical team uh, in a timely way, uh, or do they need a higher level of care, such as the emergency? Um, and so when patients uh, call us or, or clinical partners call us or request care online or through a mobile app, they'll get on the phone with one of our care team agents um, to be able to go through our technology platform uh, based on patient symptoms. We'll address follow-up questions and are we clinically appropriate? If it's deemed clinically appropriate, we'll then sign a medical team to be able to go out and, and treat them in, inside the home. Inside that vehicle that comes out into the home, is a moderately complex lab. So being able to get point of care lab testing, um, the ability to be able to, to deliver ID medications if, if need be. We needed to suture up a laceration, you can suture up a laceration, cauterize uh, or pack a nosebleed, able to do that. We bring a 12 EKG you know, with us if, if patients we need to further assess uh, their, their cardiac um, uh, stance um, if we uh, need to provide net treatments on, on these patients. Um, so a wide range of, of clinical capabilities that we're able to package up inside of our vehicle in about seven big suitcases 
able to take care of these patients you know, safely in the home. And the last thing around the clinical equipment, it's, it's not a single individual that gets deployed. It's really a team that's taking care of this patient. So two individuals in our vehicles at all time, an ER trained nurse practitioner or PA, along with a, um, a medical technician. And then they are supported by a virtual ER physician that's available to be able to um, talk to the patient if need be, or our nurse practitioner or PA could contact him to be able to review those clinical cases uh, if need be. Okay, awesome. So this uh, ED physician is uh, on video or can at least see the patient if, if need be, like a consult basically, or how does that work in the home? Yeah, it is, um, you know, right now with our uh, NPPA being able to, you know, talk through the 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 case if, if need be. So, um, you know, they're able to present, you know, this to, to the ER physician if, if need be. Um, but the ER uh, trained nurse practitioner PA, very capable to be able to make those uh, independent clinical decisions um, and drive a treatment plan, you know, on scene for those patients. And the ER doc is available if, if need be. Okay, cool. So the response time. So if I call in as a patient or you have a case manager calling on my behalf and you guys decide, yes, we need, we can treat this. What's the goal with the turnaround time? Yeah, we, we try to shoot uh, between two and three hours that we arrive on scene um, on average. Uh, and so that's from the time that we request care to the time that that team um, shows up uh, on, on scene and, and takes care of that patient. Okay. And then the, the financial side of things. So, um, you know, I, my daughter went to the ER recently, everything's good. She's fine. And we have great insurance. My wife's a teacher. Uh, she has this fantastic, uh, you know, PPO plan because, um, the union negotiated a pretty dang good, uh, package, but our, our co-insurance or cost was still like a thousand dollars for our ED visit. Um, how does it work with you guys? We, um, again, contract with those, with those payers. Um, we are uh, on the benefit side of things on, on the back end. It will hit uh, really your urgent care benefits. Okay. Um, and so based on your out-of-pocket um, copay, you know, for, for urgent care, that's what you would expect, you know, to pay, you know, for a dispatch health service. So there may be some high deductible plans, um, you know, based on where you are with that. Uh, but uh, on average, it, it hits your, your urgent care copay. Okay, awesome. And then what about hours of operation, Kevin? Like, when are you guys available? So we uh, open um, at 8 a.m. Um, and uh, operate through 10 p.m., um, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So um, every holiday, uh, we're open. Um, and vehicles, you know, based on the market maturity, you may have market or Las Vegas market where we'll have close to 30 vehicles operating in the given market per day um, okay. to newer markets that we had just opened, start off with two vehicles. Yeah. Um, and as we continue to expand uh, and create more awareness um, uh, around the service, we continue to add more vehicles um, to be able to service those patients. Okay, great. Uh, let me ask you this. And don't mean to be a loaded question, but at the beginning when you're, you know, starting up this organization and you're taking away business 
from hospitals or urgent cares. Was there some pushback in the communities? Uh, even today, is there any pushback when you guys are coming in? And it seems like it's the right thing to do, but you're also kind of taking away some of these profit centers. Curious your lens there. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and so when, it, when it's a, um, a new program, a new option, you know, for, for patients uh, and, and clinical partners, and, and just to, to dig into that a little bit further, over, over the years, you know, we've been able to establish um, fantastic relationships with provider groups, fantastic relationships with health systems, you know, across the country. And these are systems that are ways to be able to meet the need for the uh, healthcare consumer. Um, healthcare consumers are, are really looking at options, just like in everyday life, you know, their Amazon, you know, packages get, you know, sent, or they order and get sent and, and received within 24 hours, 48 hours. They want to have that same experience for, for healthcare. I mean, you've seen this rise in, in virtual care. Um, we've been able to meet that consumer demand delivering this, this um, high-touch um, service to patients and, and deliver that care inside the comfort of their home. Now, over, over this time, we've had to make sure that um, we align very well with primary care groups and, and health systems. Health systems are looking to take on value-based care, and this is a perfect, you know, for them to be able to um, look at ways to be able to decrease, you know, costs, you know, within the system. And so we align very well with them. We also align around opportunities to have cost option to provide greater access to these populations. So, um, you know, it's very expensive to put more beds, um, you know, hospital beds, very expensive to put facilities up you know, as markets continue to grow. So we're a very flexible option, you know, for these provider groups, um, payers, as well as health systems um, to be able to take care of these patients and, and collaborate on managing these patients. We're not going to do everything. We don't manage longitudinal patients, um, you know, for their primary care conditions or, or chronic care, you know, conditions. But we're an adjunct, you know, to primary care where these individuals uh, may need, you know, a, a rescue um, to be able to go out into the home and, and take care of them and report primary care physician where they're able to maintain that continuity. And so um, we are really a new tool um, that a lot of these care management groups, home health agencies, primary care groups can deploy to take care of these patients effectively in their homes. Thank you, Kevin. So transitioning over to kind of the phrases that we're hearing a lot here in the post-acute uh, world is sniff at home or skilled nursing facility at home, hospital at home. We've talked a lot about how you're kind of like an ED or emergency department at home. Tell us about this sniff at home or skilled nursing at home and where you fit there. Yeah, and you know, I, I um, much about the evolution of, of the organization over, over time. So where we started in the MS space, in the pre-hospital space, to be able to intervene on uh, acute clinical conditions to avoid unnecessary trips to the emergency department, you know, over time, we've expanded, you know, on clinical capabilities, you know, inside the home. In 2017, with um, a couple of health system partnerships, we identified an opportunity to help transition patients that were coming out of the hospital that had a greater risk of readmission. 
uh, within 30, 60, 90 days. And so we built a program called Bridge Care, where we work with health agencies and primary care groups, as well as case management in the inpatient setting to meet our service 24 to 72 hours after they come out of the hospital. Um, very similar to a traditional care visit inside of a primary care physician, we're able to meet the, uh, the, the, where the patient's at inside their home and help reach them back into the primary care physician. So that's something we continue to operate and have expanded a great deal um, over the last few years with health system partners as well as uh, payer partners. In 2018, um, uh, talking about the sniff at home and hospital home, um, we built out and, and used uh, really 2018 and 2019 to build out that hospital home program, sniff, sniff at home program. So in Denver, in November 2019, we launched uh, really that first program where we can identify patients that meet hospital level criteria inside of the community and, and admit them into the home setting. So uh, practically how that would work and how you would compare it to traditional healthcare is that instead of showing up into the ER and being sent upstairs uh, for admission, that ER level of care meets the patient inside the home. Um, we identify that need, they need a higher level of care um, and we wrap in our hospitalist team to take over that care, just like that patient would be sent upstairs inside of the brick and mortar you know, setting. We would take over that care, admit them into the home setting and take care of them for two to five days, just like in an inpatient setting, and then transition them over the course of 30 days in a post-acute setting inside the home. So um, that's something we launched uh, in, again, in November, 2019, uh, uh, are now expanding that into six additional markets at the second half of 2021, this year, um, to be able to deliver that level of care. And so the, the vision and the ultimate goal of, of what we're, we're building is um, the system inside the home. So if you think about ER level of care to um, uh, transitional care out of the hospital to SNP and hospital level of care inside the home. So building that system of, of capabilities to be able to treat these patients uh, and avoid expensive ERs, expensive hospitals, expensive SNFs, you know, when need be, uh, and meeting that that consumer demand of, of staying in the home and aging in place. So for the SNF at home model, when I think of SNF, I think of, you know, I'm in a facility, a nurse or an a, a nurse comes, checks on me a few times a day. So for your model, are they being seen in person a few times a day or virtually? How does How does that work? Yeah, so um, the SNF at home and, and um, advanced care or hospital home programs uh, really act, um, it's the same group, you know, taking care of those patients. So it's our hospitalist group, and they flex in the intensity of different services that, that are needed okay. um, based on the needs of the patient. So we still, on our hospital home program, advanced care will have daily rounding. Uh, by that hospitalist group uh, inside the home, supplemented by um, twice a day nursing care. And so okay, that nice. individual will, uh, just like in the inpatient setting, will have you know physician rounding uh, and driving that care plan. And then we'll also have nursing support you know care. Um, they will also have remote patient monitoring. So at all times, 
you know, we will be tracking their vital signs throughout the day. And then they have a, uh, an alert system where they can always, you know, just like an inpatient setting, a call button. We have a call button as well that we can immediately give them the phone, you know, with that patient um, uh, to understand what's going on, you know, with them if, if need be. Uh, at home, it's really more intensely driven, you know, care with oversight of our uh, hospitalist group to, to manage that care plan. And so there's inpatient or person visits that we do with that model, uh, but more intense on the physical therapy, occupational therapy, you know, nursing uh, for SNF level of care. Okay, got it. And then are you, for the nursing care, is that, are those like dispatch employees or do you contract with partners who are your nursing team? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so we, um, and going back in terms of our clinical model in general, we employ all of our clinicians um, at, at this special. So we now have um, close to 700 clinicians across the country delivering, you know, this care across, you know, our ER care, SNF, Bridge, and, and uh, advanced care. On the nursing side, we do for our hospital home and SNF at home programs, advanced care and extended care, we subcontract out nursing you know, services. So um, we work with and, and build a network of, of uh, missions and services, not only nursing, but uh, DME, um, you know, imaging, uh, pharmacy. We'll, we'll create that network um, and we get paid a bundled um, you know, rate for the care that we're delivering um, and subcontract again and pay out the, to those entities. Okay, got it. So just to confirm, like with the sniff at home model, your and if a, if a non-healthcare person is, is watching or listening, the plan or your insurance company would either pay you guys a bundle or another entity would pay you guys a bundle to manage that care at a uh, for the SNF at home model at an equal to or lower cost than a traditional SNF, I would assume, right? Like that's the goal. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, and I appreciate your transparency on, on some of these questions, Kevin. Um, so today, 700 clinicians. Um, earlier in the episode, I wanted to, to go back to a question I had, which was about where you guys will be tomorrow. So we know where you are today. What's your vision or are you able to share anything that's coming down the pipeline with expansion? Yeah, um, you know, we're now on track to, you know, open one to two markets every month. Um, every month. And so oh. the market expansion, you know, just continues. Um, and so, um, you know, by the end of, of this year, uh, I believe we're on track to, to be at 44 markets um, uh, by the end of, of 2021. Um, now, not only is it, you know, going wide, you know, based on market expansion, but, it, but it's also going, you know, deeper, you know, yeah. on, on some of the services that we deliver, you know, in, in the market, existing markets. And so we really start off with that ER level of care, you know, inside the home and then start to add additional services uh, on top of that. So you, you think about the bridge, you know, care services, you take the, you know, hospital home or advanced care services, SNF at home, extended care services. And so that's really building out, you know, that ecosystem, that system of care inside the home uh, in these given markets. 
Um, and so that's where you'll also continue to see growth and expansion in the existing, just going you know deeper on the value prop, going deeper on the clinical services being delivered inside the home. Wow, man. Uh, one to two a month is is pretty incredible. Uh, if you mind me asking, um, one thing, sometimes I get into it, sometimes I don't on our episodes, but the financial side of thing for you guys, um, you mentioned like two cars per market, which is expensive, right? You got to have the vehicles, you got to have the staff, you start with zero business in every market, but maybe some contracts. Um, how was this gigantic growth happening? Are there uh, financial backers behind the scenes? How's that? How's that working? Yeah, it's, you know, we've um, uh, recently closed on a Series D uh, round of funding. The, the last round uh, was about $200 million, uh, in, in what we raised at, at that uh, time. Um, and it's not only the, the financial backing um, of, of the company continued to help us grow, um, uh, but it's also, you know, great alignment with, Health systems, uh, as well as our payer uh, partners, whether it be United Healthcare, where they're really moving um, fast on the on the thesis of working the home, and so we're aligning, you know, very well with them. There's a lot of movement, as, as you know, um, in the space on, on care delivery in the home, and we want to be right there as as an option um, to be able to continue to expand. So yes, the, the funding you know, definitely helps, uh, but it's also uh, continue to drive value for these partners to help um, um, they focus on the quadruple aim. And so this is what we preach you know, every day here at Dispatch, uh, whether it be our software development team or clinicians uh, or marketing team, you know, it's you know, how do we drive a fantastic you know, patient experience from from the time that they request you know care to you know we submit a claim you know for the for the services that we deliver. How do we drive amazing you know clinical outcomes, which results in you know, improved um, uh, cost uh, reduction uh, moving forward? And then how do we deliver a experience for our providers? Um, we have seven hundred of of them. We want to make sure that they're practicing at the top of their license. They have an effortless you know, experience of, of delivering this care inside the home. We want to make sure that we're you know, combined with our clinical partners, you know, with primary care groups, health systems, um, home health agencies, care management, you know, groups that were um, you know, focused on those partnerships because we can't do it you know, alone. We, um, you know, we, we need all of us you know, together um, to be able to drive you know, great, great outcomes for these patients. So, so that's something we're continuing to focus on, to deliver on um, in all the markets that, that we operate in. I'm really glad you mentioned the quadruple aim, not the triple aim, uh, which triple aim was great as well. Um, I was talking with a healthcare leader the other day and, and you know, she was talking about you know, the outcomes, the patient experience and the cost savings. You know, which is the original triple aim. And for the healthcare veterans that are listening in, you're probably familiar with this. But what's relatively new, and I love that Kevin mentioned it, was the quadruple aim. And just want to highlight there, it's his own staff experience. And you mentioned like an effortless experience as well, which is pretty neat. And um, my day job is doing the same thing. So for those of you out there, uh, to me, the great companies are doing that quadruple aim and making sure they have that staff satisfaction and positive experience. So Kevin, I just want to applaud you and, um, and 
uh, again, audience hear that term quadruple aim. Um, so as we wrap up today's show, Kevin, I always like to hear a story uh, from our guests. And I want to ask you, can you share with us maybe a story that you've seen during your time at Dispatch that kind of really tells the Dispatch story and why you're there today? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, now, um, you know, over 200,000, you know, patient reviews uh, with a net promoter score of, of 95 that's been consistent, you know, over the years. We, we hear patient stories all the time. Um, and, you know, whether it be, you know, the, the convenience of being able to, um, you know, be out into the home uh, with, a, with a busy mom, um, and to be able to, you know, sew up a, a kid's laceration, you know, on the on the kitchen table, um, you know, is always great to, you know, being able to to intervene on a on a you know eighty year old uh, who uh, is trying to you know age in place, you know, inside the home and, and, and keep them there. But you know, some of these um, and the more impactful stories is, is is really less on the on the clinical you know pieces, but more on on some of the the social components that we see you know inside the home. And, and I'm sure you know your organization you know sees this all the time as well. But these individuals that the reason why they're continuing to uh, need acute intervention is some of the social components. You know, whether it be, you know, in their lives of, of, hey, not, you know, having the ability to, to pay for their medications because they need to pay for their electricity, uh, or, you know, not having, you know, food in the fridge and, and our staff going in and actually, uh, cooking, um, you know, in, inside of their kitchen, you know, with a, uh, a can of soup and, and delivering that for, for these patients, uh, or, you know, working with Feeding America and delivering, you know, uh, bags of food, you know, for patients that we identify that have food insecurity. So these are the things that are really moving the needle uh, around, you know, clinical outcomes um, and really start to what we call the dispatch way is going the extra mile internally around some of these other pieces, connect the dots when we when we see that there's a need for for these patients, whether it be unable to you know get uh, uh, any transportation you know needs, or or there's a fall risk that we identify, or there's a food insecurity, or inability to pay for their for the meds. How do we connect them, um, you know, with resources available? Uh, or there's many instances where there's um, there's times where you know we'll pitch in and say you know thing that we could do to help out um, and going above and beyond with the framework of, of keeping the patient centered uh, around clinical outcome and, and driving a great you know patient experience. Awesome, Kevin. Well, I very much appreciate um, all of your time and also just a shout out to Kirsten and Raquel on your communications team for putting this together. And uh, I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate you uh, making the time to record today. Um, if folks want to follow Dispatch and, and you know stay up to speed as to what you guys are all doing, what's the best way to do that? Uh, dispatchhealth.com is, is probably the best way uh, for us um, to be able to you know, see some of the, the market expansions as, as well as um, expanding on our clinical services that we deliver inside the home. 
So Kevin, uh, earlier you talked about your expansion, you're going into one to two markets. Um, so a lot of our listeners are actually in the state of California. And I know you're not here yet, but can you tell us, is that something you know that you're looking at, maybe something in the future? Yeah, obviously the, the state of California is a, is a large market. Um, and something that's been on our, um, you know, radar for a long time. Um, and, you know, there, there's great opportunities for, for us to expand in the California market. So more to come on that, um, but it's, it's definitely on our short list of, of market expansions as we close out, you know, 2021 and head into 2022. All right. Awesome. I definitely look forward to potentially using you guys myself, uh, in the future versus those uh, long ED weights and, uh, and bills. So uh, folks, Kevin Riddleberger has been our guest today, the New Yorker, now Colorado guy. No, I really appreciate the time with you, Gavin, today. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Always love to, to talk about, you know, the dispatch health story and, and um, you know, hopefully you know, we'll be able to, to further align in the state of California soon. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.